and welcome to the Eastern Front. My name is Giselle Donnelly, and I'm a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. I am joined today by... Yulia Joja with the Middle East Institute. And... Dalibu Rojas from AI. On this podcast, we discuss the many challenges to the European peace that have emerged along a line running from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea, the Eastern Front and about why these matter to the United States. Today, our guest is Zoltan Case, a former member of the uh, Hungarian parliament and now one of the principal leaders uh, of the opposition party uh, to Viktor Orban. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. So we recorded this episode of the podcast on the 22nd of February, just the day before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Please stay tuned until the end for an update from Zoltan. Can I turn the microphone over to my colleague Dalibor to begin the questioning? Sure. Thanks, Giselle. Um, so on, on the 3rd of April, Hungarians are heading to the polls after 12 years uh, of governments run by the Fidesz party, led by Viktor Orban. Um, during those 12 years, Hungary uh, has seen a new constitution, so-called fundamental law, a new electoral law. Um, it has seen a dramatic rise in corruption. It has seen all manners of efforts directed at what political scientists would call incumbent entrenchment by, by the ruling party. Um, and interestingly, uh, for a better part of the decade, those efforts were also applauded by a number of influential opinion makers on the political right in, in America, um, not least Tucker Carlson, Rod Dreher, uh, even, even former President Trump. Um, CPAC conference is convening in, in Budapest um, around the 26th of March, I believe. Um, and interestingly, around that same, uh, over that same period, the Hungarian government has proven more than willing to act against U.S. interests in the region at various junctures, uh, whether it's its participation in the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, Viktor Orban called Hungary one of the pillars of the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, Hungarian government said famously no to the Trump administration over the issue of Huawei and its participation in and in, 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 in the building of the country's 5G networks. Um, Hungary invited um, the Russia-led International Investment Bank, which is a sort of phony Cold War era uh, quasi-multilateral lending bank to set up its headquarters in Budapest. And I'm, I'm delighted to welcome Zoltan to, to the studio. Uh, Zoltan is an old friend of mine who uh, was initially... Um, an English teacher in West Bram, which is a smallish historic town uh, by, 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 by the Belton Lake, a free market activist who grew tired of the corruption in the early years of the, of, of, of the urban rule. Um, I hope that's a fair characterization. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and he successfully ran as an independent candidate for parliament where he ended uh, the constitutional majority enjoyed by Fidesz. Um, that was back in 2013, 14? 15. 15, yeah. okay. Uh, he also started uh, 
a number of think tanks in, in, in Hungary, including the Free Market Foundation and more recently Civitas, where he serves as the director of uh, operations. Uh, and I guess I want to start by asking a sort of open-ended question about uh, why it has proven so difficult for the Hungarian opposition to realize what they were up against, right? Like this is the first general election that Orban is facing a unified opposition, which actually is standing a decent chance of of, of, of displacing him. Uh, that wasn't the case in 2014 or or, 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 or or 18. So how, you know, how, 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 how difficult or easy was, was, you know, the sort of dynamic that led to to the opposition forces, which are very diverse, to 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 actually join forces and 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 and, and try to uh, really uh, get get Orbán out of office. Well, uh, in order to understand that, and thank you very much, Dalibor, for having me at this podcast. In order to understand uh, this, we have to know that the Hungarian election system uh, has also been changed in the past decade to favor the ruling party. By favoring, I mean that. Uh, if the different parties run separately, it will always provide a two-thirds majority, so the constitutional majority for Viktor Orban. Uh, it, actually, it wasn't actually long ago that uh, a lot of people realized that the only way to defeat Orban would be to cooperate, to have all the opposition parties to cooperate. Back in 2018, when I was uh, again running for parliament, uh, together with lots of uh, activists and independent people, I I was very vocal at uh, trying to convince the parties that this is the right way to join hands and run uh, with only one candidate, just like in uh, uh, in the movie The Highlander, you know, uh, only one uh, can remain standing against Fidesz. But at the time, uh, the parties did not listen. Uh, and uh, obvious, I mean, it led to the obvious uh, two-thirds majority of Fidesz again. However, this was also the time when Peter Markizai uh, surfaced, let's uh, use this word, when he became the mayor of a very small town called Hodmezevasarhey. And uh, he felt in himself that uh, he should be the leader of the opposition. However, he didn't have a party. Uh, but uh, uh, he realized that in order to convince the parties, there should be some kind of a competition. He's, he has also lived in America. He believes in competition just like me. And he thought that the competition should be to decide who, who would be the ideal candidates to run against Fidesz. So he, uh, two years ago, announced that there should be primaries, not only for prime minister candidates, but also for uh, all the 106 candidates all around the country. And he managed to successfully uh, persuade all the parties in a, in, in, in a period of one year that this is the only way. He put a lot of pressure on them through, with the help of the media, still some independent media outlets, uh, with the help of uh, social media as well, and with the help of his network of, of, of many, many people who joined him. And finally, we had the uh, primaries uh, during the fall in September. Uh, and now we have 106 candidates of the unified opposition and him being the prime minister candidate of this unified opposition. So we, we, we now have a little chance. The problem is that uh, the, the playing field is very uneven. So... For us to understand, what are the chances that we're going to see 
a continuation of the Orban regime, despite um, despite stronger opposition from what you tell us. And and if so, if we're looking at more years of Orban, how do you assess the dangers of that? Um, what are we to expect here from Washington, D.C., especially when it comes to foreign policy alignments with Russia, um, alignments with China? Um, how, if we're looking at, um, at another four years um, or so of Orban, what, uh, what should be, we be most careful about? All right. Well, so the first part of the question is in connection with obviously how I mean, what what the chances are definitely and 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 whether we can win or not. And as I mentioned, the playing field is uneven, which means that the media outlets are in the hands of uh, the government uh, and most of the media outlets, because I mentioned there are some independents still. The, the key to uh, Orban's victory back in 2018, 2014, were the uh, the constituencies in the countryside. In the countryside, all, and I mean all the print media is in the hands of Orban, which is a really big uh, advantage because, uh, you know, people people in the countryside, especially people in rural areas, read stuff that is put in their mailboxes. So whatever is in their mailboxes, they read. And mm. the, all the county newspapers are in the hands of Orban, which means that uh, they can reach the population uh, much uh, much easily than, uh, than 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 the opposition. That's one thing. The other is the handouts. In this campaign, we see an amazing uh, uh, campaign by Fidesz of uh, giving, handing out money to basically everybody. Uh, right now, uh, just a couple of weeks before, uh, I mean, ago, um, he 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 introduced. Uh, gas prices, uh, a stop to gas prices. That is, he, he limited the price. So if I before I left for Hungary, I saw gas stations who, uh, who that advertised saying, don't fill up your car here, because once you fill up your car here, that will mean uh, that I go bankrupt. So we have we have cars coming from Slovakia, Serbia, uh, neighboring countries to fill up their, their, their cars because gas is absolutely cheap but the, the average voter in Hungary is very thankful to Orban because th that's what they understand that they're they're you know when once they fill up their cars it's it's not going to cost them too much at least not, not some, some people on the um, sort of national conservative right I remember applauded the introduction of price controls in Hungary is like you know down with the Reaganite Thatcher era consensus I somehow missed the memo that it was sound economic policy to freeze prices. Yeah, and it's not only gas prices, it's also utility prices, uh, household utilities, also prices on some basic uh, food products. So, so, Anton, so how, does this, how does this connect to Orban's vi recent visit to Moscow and the successful ensuring of a very good price for gas for Hungary? Well, that's that's another interesting thing how, uh, and, and coming to foreign policy and the second part of your question, basically, and this is what, uh, the international community should be worried about because in the past decade we have seen Orban and his government being the Trojan horse in the EU and in NATO as well. So when you when you ask me the question about the Chinese relations and Russian relations, 
he's I mean he's been the I call him the lapdog or lapdog of Putin basically because he he has been trolling the European Union for a while now and the the the, the goal of Putin is to de- destabilize the European Union and and NATO and and with Orban he has found a very good uh, partner uh, and well uh, to us it's not a big surprise that he has visited Moscow recently because he visits Moscow all the time and Putin visits Hungary all the time so so it's so one of the usual stuff that that happens. Also with the Chinese, he has uh, established really good economic relations. However, by really good, I mean really good for him. But we don't know if it's really good for the country because every every detail of of the contracts with the Chinese is, is classified, has been classified for at least 30 years, uh, whether it's the Fudan University that the Chinese want to build in Hungary or the Chinese railroad between uh, Belgrade and Budapest. So it's, we don't know the details of that. We, we know that it's good for Orban. We know that it's good for the Chinese. We don't know if it's good for Hungary or we don't know if it's good for the international community. So... So I, I think Orban in April should be held responsible by the electorate to what uh, what he's doing to the country and how he's changing the allegiance to to, to the alliances that we are in, and 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 also you know uh, he he's always been I mean in the past couple of months he's 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 made it clear that uh, he is pretty sure that the international community will intervene in the elections. I don't think so. And I'm not asking the international community to do that because it's the it's the it's the task of Hungarian citizens to decide who the prime minister and who the government is going to be. But it's clearly seen that his 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 rhetoric to build some kind of a uh, a message around this is is getting very very strong. He has accused uh, members of parliament and also independents like me of of being foreign agents and 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 the uh, the, the propaganda is full of. Uh, I'm sorry to use the word bullshit about us, but but this this is the world we live in. This is this is what we have to fight for. Just just a, a very good example to 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 give you how to picture what's going on. The when I lost twenty in 2018, the reason I lost is although that I I was up in the polls a week before the election, uh, there was a huge and serious smear campaign against me in which uh, they accused me of receiving millions of um, uh, Hungarian foreigns from a socialist politician. And they showed at a press conference a picture of me with this politician claiming that I received money. The problem was that I wasn't in the picture. Out of the two people, one was the politician and the other one was, I don't know who that was. But they successfully managed to you know, persuade people in my district that that was me. And, 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 and even at one point in my campaign, last days of my campaign, I asked the person who, who came to me and said, oh, you received this money. And I said, come on, this is the picture. Which one is me? He said, I saw it on TV. I don't care. And I said, do you, be- do you believe your eyes or the TV? And he said, the TV. So this is how serious Orban propaganda is, because it it can fool people. And once people in the countryside only read the county newspapers, listen to the state-controlled TV, state-controlled uh, radio, that's when I when what I meant by the the, the playing field being not not even. Before we leave the uh, the issue of Orban as a sort of a cultural crusader, uh, and I blame Dalibor for this, having now twice mentioned. Uh, the uh, American national conservatives. He's doing this simply to to irritate me. But 
there has been a, par- a sort of slavish parade of these people to Orban's throne. How important is that in his propaganda campaign? Does that carry much weight with Hungarians, or does it look as buffoonish as it can do from from these shores? Do they like Tucker Carlson being there? <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing because I, I I don't think most people know who Tucker Carlson is, and uh, I think this propaganda that he's uh, uh, doing right now with with the with CPAC, for example, with Tucker Carlson, we do. Uh, President Trump as uh, one of the uh, people who uh, endorsed him. Obviously, it's. I think it's for 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 Americans, for Americans who have been supporting him, and especially uh, people on the, uh, in the Republican Party who have been very supportive of his uh, uh, policies and who don't know too much about him. You know, he has spent loads of money on lobbyists here. Uh, he he has spent millions of taxpayer uh, dollars, Hungarian taxpayer dollars, on on trying to persuade uh, uh, the American, esta- I mean the, the establishment on the right, that he he is the person who is a conservative. He is a person who is uh, a, a, a pro-conservative. I don't know God, or but but he is not conservative. He has nothing to do with conservatism. I mean, just Dolibor, I think you remember back. 10 years ago when he nationalized the private pension funds. A conservative wouldn't nationalize the private pension funds. Centralizing the school system, centralizing uh, basically everything right now, uh, depriving uh, local local, uh, governments of of their rights to, 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 for example, levy taxes. Everything is centralized. A conservative doesn't centralize. I mean, we shouldn't teach him. I mean, yeah, maybe. under, Under the new dispensation, a conservative can do anything as, as long as it drives the liberals crazy. Oh, yeah, right? but also, yeah. I mean, it, the, the cultural war legitimates the use of state power to, uh, you know, advance nationalism and uh, the, the cause of Western Christianity and all the rest. Um, right. This is okay. Well, I'll, I'll this is not example. Reagan conservatism. He has, sure. he has been a, a crusader of, 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 uh, of the policy of anti-immigration, yeah, and that's that's what a lot of people here in America, you know, love him for. But he has also been the person who has handed out settlement bonds, and these settlement bonds means that he has given out uh, Hungarian passports, that is European Union passports, to Russian criminals, Chinese, Arab criminals for money. He has made loads of money by giving out these passports. Thus, basically threatening the security of what he calls a white Europe. What is that if it's not double standards? Some immigrants are more equal than other immigrants. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, I feel like this Orwellian picture, definitely. So finally, I have, I have a foreign policy question, uh, which um, is inspired by a recent conversation I had with one pro-Orban commentator uh, from, from Hungary. And he argued... Uh, that Hungarian foreign policy, unlike the foreign policy of some of the neighboring countries, uh, is conscious of the fact that a small country needs to hedge its bet, that it needs to be prudent, not put too much weight on a relationship with any single country. That's why Hungary, you know, when it feels it's the right thing to do, would do a favor for the Americans. At other times, it would do a favor for the Chinese or the Russians. 
but but sort of keeping a sort of well diversified balanced portfolio is the right way to do as a you know recovering eastern european myself i can see the flaws of this approach but i wonder what most hungarians think about it because you know going back to the 1990s one of the themes of the entire post-communist transition was that you know hungarians like slovaks or czechs or poles wanted to become normal western europeans if you will mm -hmm. they didn't want to deepen their ties to post-soviet russia or or, or China, they just wanted, you know, to be part of the West without any qualifications. So how does that sort of Orbán's, you know, that 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 policy resonate, and 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 is that is that a theme that the opposition can can seize on as well? Well, definitely. I mean, um, his nationalism is uh, very attractive to his electorate, and he has been using it for more than two decades now, and and it's very appealing even to some. Uh, opposition voters because we have this as you know this nostalgia towards the you know greater hungary and the austro-hungarian empire but uh, i would say that the, the the electorate itself is very divided because people on the opposition know that with the european union integration we have what we longed for for decades that is we can travel freely to romania we can travel freely to slovakia our <laughs> slovak hungarians can come to hungary and can decide where where they want to you know live and practice their religion and language so basically we in my opinion the european union integration is is much more important than looking back a hundred years and and, and 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 wishing for something that that uh, is very irrelevant right now however during the campaign, this is something that he's going to uh, he's, he's going to use, and even you know he has scored really good points uh, with the Hungarians living abroad by the, uh, by by giving them citizenship, mm -hmm. and we also see that Hungarians living abroad uh, vote for him 95 percent. And, and this is giving him a, a, a good edge in in, in this community. Uh, you just said nostalgia for the Austro-Hungarian Empire and finished with Hungarians abroad. So you're kind of anticipating something that I really wanted to ask you. How dangerous is revisionism from Hungary? I can see it from the other side, Romania, other countries really freaking out repetitively because on one side of the policies and the words that come out of um, the Orban uh, government vis-a-vis, um, -vis, you know, equalizing the Trianon with the Crimea annexation, um, stuff like that. And I can see the Hungarian minorities in other countries in the region exactly on that pattern kind of feeding into, into, these, into these narratives that we know in Central and Eastern Europe have very, very dangerous and long um, roots. So how do you see this? Um, how, how dangerous is Orban's revisionism? I don't think it's dangerous. It's campaign. So it's all campaign material. So he's, you know, one thing you have to know about Orban, whatever he's doing right now, he's doing it for his domestic electorate. His words that he's saying, let's say in Brussels or in Warsaw or in Washington, wherever he is, he's communicating to his own electorate. He wants to keep his electorate tight together and go to the polls uh, on, on the 3rd of April. That's his goal. And if he wins 
if he wins on the 3rd of April, next day he gets up, he's starting his new campaign for 2026. That's his goal. In the, if, if you look at his policies of the past 12 years, you don't see a comprehensive policy on on anything, basically. His comprehensive policy is to win the next election, no matter what it takes. He, he sounds like a, a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, the kind of people he used to work for. But look, um, we have gone all 20 plus minutes and nobody said the U word yet. Um, and we're rec- recording this on 2-22-22, which I hope is not a date which will live in infamy forever, but may well be. I just wonder, and of course we don't know what the result of events in Ukraine are going to be, but it seems to me that the, the trend lines are not great. And that this could really be a defining moment. It's okay. It's or the risks of hedging are diminished when there's not a clear east-west divide. You know, if there's no iron curtain, the consequences are much less um, severe. But between now and April the third, those those lines could be much more sharply defined. And one can, you know, increasingly imagine even the Germans. Um, you know, who have been the uber hedgers of the last uh, several decades, you know, having to make a serious choice. So I invite you to speculate um, uh, about, well, or to ask to be a little bit uh, fair about it, if it's possible that external events could really change the underlying political landscape uh, in the Hungarian election. Yeah, and, and, and it's good that you mentioned that we are recording it on February the 22nd, because obviously whatever so I'm saying have, now might right, be speculation back when, when, when this, is, this is played. But actually, 22nd of February is a good day for me, because exactly seven years ago, I won the by-election on this day. So, so uh, for, for me, it's a good day. So not a day that will live in infamy. But uh, also, um, up to this day, uh, the Hungarian government is the only one that hasn't condemned Russia's actions. You've, I've, I've seen, and I tweeted it last night, that I see all, uh, a, a lot of uh, heads of states and heads of government on my uh, uh, Twitter wall that have condemned Russia for uh, what it's doing. Or- Orban hasn't said a word. Orban has assured Zelensky that Hungary is going to stand by the borders of Ukraine, whatever it means in his interpretation. And also to this day, Hungary is the country that in the council is uh, in a way trolling a, a common um, stand uh, against uh, against Putin. And I don't know where it's leading. I, I, I can speculate where it's leading, but uh, I don't think uh, be, given the given given the reason that that we are recording it. But one thing that 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 we have to see, and this is this is something that I think is is, is worth uh, noting. Uh, I just made a list with a friend of mine uh, looking at how the Hungarian propaganda machinery is handling the situation in Ukraine. And and it's it's very sad because the Hungarian propaganda machinery 
is painting a very positive picture of what Russia is doing at the moment. Just, uh, just, just to quote, for example, Joel Bayer, who is a founding member of Fidesz and a very vocal journalist, he's saying that uh, Ukraine is a puppet state set up and operated by the CIA. Uh, he just a second. He 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 mentions it that. Uh, uh, Maidan, the Maidan uh, was organized by the United States, and its 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 only goal is to in- intimidate Russia and to gain Ukrainian natural and energy uh, resources. He also said that there are almost uh, two hundred thousand Hungarians in Ukraine who are held hostage by the Ukrainians and whose rights are gradually taken away. So, so this is the rhetoric, and we see it in other uh, other uh, journalists' uh, newspaper. I mean, other newspapers. He there is another one uh, in, in in another propaganda newspaper. He's, he, the, the title runs this morning, saying that standing by Ukraine is an act of high treason. This is a this is a guy who has received millions of uh, actually a hundred million U.S. dollars up to today from the Hungarian government to advertise his newspapers on Facebook and so on. Um, another one saying that uh, Ukraine is a CIA puppet state. We don't want a conflict with Russia because that would jeopardize our energy supply. Uh, the escalation is only American interest. Ukraine doesn't deserve our help because they are oppressing the Hungarian minority. So this is what we see today on the 22nd of February uh, 2022 coming from Hungarian mainstream propaganda. And this is not coming from the mouth of Viktor Orban or Peter Siarto, who is the foreign secretary. This is coming from basically everywhere that is controlled by the government. And that is what their electorate sees. This is what they resonate to. And that's that's scary. And that's uh, that, that's sad. Well, Zoltan, every day I get up in the hopes that one of our Eastern Front podcasts will end on a happy note. Uh, my hopes have yet to be fulfilled, but it's better to tell the truth and face the, you know, look the cows straight in the face in hope that they'll run away. I, I appreciate the fact that you've joined us today, and I appreciate particularly that you were willing to speculate uh, in a very uncertain time. So uh, just to sign off, uh, let me say thank you from me, Giselle Donnelly. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Front a podcast dedicated to the security challenges arising along the line from the Baltic to the Black Sea. You can find more episodes and additional content on our website at aei.org and also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Please be in touch with us on Twitter using the hashtag EasternFrontPod, that's all one word, And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. So for me, Giselle Donnelly, and... Yulia Zoja, and... Dalbrohaj. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Hey, Dalibor. Hi, Zoltan. Can you hear me all right? Perfect. Thanks. We recorded this episode of the podcast on the 22nd of February which, if I'm correct, was just a day before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We spent a lot of time talking about the ties between Viktor Orban and the Kremlin. Uh, And obviously, um, the Russian invasion was not something that we exactly anticipated unfolding on the same scale and magnitude and fashion as as it has unfolded. So 
So I decided to check back in with Zoltan and talk a little bit about how he thinks the Russian invasion has changed political dynamics in Hungary. Um, very prominently, uh, Viktor Orban decided not to block the EU sanctions against Russia. At the same time, he continued to make all these overtures to Russia, uh, trying to, as he said, keep Hungary out of the war. Uh, he uh, has been spending a lot of time with his friend uh, Alexander Vucic in Belgrade, also a friend of the of the of the of the, of the Russian regime. So, so there is this tension between, um, I suppose, between him trying to avoid having to deal with, with his ties to the Kremlin as a political liability, as well as what seems a sort of weird imperative to keep those ties alive. So I wonder what Zoltan, what do you think about how this aftermath of, 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 of the Russian invasion has, has unfolded uh, for, for Orban electorally? And where do you see Hungary moving after the, after the election? All right, well, uh... Thank you, Dalibor, again. Uh, first of all, you mentioned that uh, Viktor Orban surprisingly did not block anything. Well, it's not so surprising in my opinion because uh, this is something that he has to show uh, to the West that he is united with, uh, with the West. However, uh, domestically, uh, on, uh, below the surface, uh, everything that, uh, that we consume uh, VS Hungarian citizens uh, in, in social media, in the government propaganda, is basically Russian propaganda. So, so we just just a couple of days ago, I, I saw a poll which said that about three quarters of the population is against Zelensky, which it was uh, very surprising. But this is this is the narrative of the government, and actually not the government itself, but the government propagandists. Who are everywhere uh, on on social media and in normal media as well, and 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 the government has spent in the in the past couple of years millions of dollars uh, helping these talking heads uh, uh, gather enough uh, readers and likes and so on and so forth. So so this is this is below the surface. So below the surface is pure Russian propaganda. Uh, how it helped or didn't help him in the electoral campaign, I. I certainly believe that it did help. It did help. It really helped him a lot because right away when the when the war unfolded, he changed his rhetoric, and now he claims to be the guy who brings peace to Hungary. On the contrary, he says that the opposition wants war. He he has billboards all around the country in which. He claims that the opposition wants war, but he is the, he is the person who will uh, secure peace for Hungary. And people buy this. Nobody in the opposition has ever said that we want direct war with, 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 with any of the participants. Uh, uh, still, nobody cares that, that there is no truth in what he's saying. And he has, in my opinion, he has secured uh, a really victorious spot for him yeah, for the next uh, four years. Where will that lead? Uh, what's the future of Hungary if uh, Fidesz wins? I think Hungary will be even more isolated in Europe. As we, we saw an example this week with the Visegrad four countries, as the uh, other three countries, the, the defense ministers of the other three countries refused to go to Budapest and meet their Hungarian counterpart. And and in my opinion, uh, 
when we see such a such a unified Europe and such a unified NATO, and with lots of politicians already uh, claiming hunger, claiming that Hungary is the is the Trojan horse, as I as I said it last time, uh, I think uh, we will have to bear the consequences uh, after the election right? because. The electorate of Hungary will legitimize what Orban is doing right now, even though there are signs of election fraud. Just today, it revealed that uh, ballot papers were burned, and these election uh, these ballot papers were for the opposition and and so on um even if they if, if international uh, organizations monitor the election yes they will report that there was an election fraud so what so this is again a sign that will lead to the isolation of hunger in in, in this uh, alliance so what you say is quite extraordinary in the sense that uh, in the sense that when the invasion started, I thought the reasonable thing to assume was that this would be a political liability for Orban, just the same way it is a political liability for figures like Eric Zemmour, for the national conservative right in the United States, for you know pro-Putin populists elsewhere in Europe. Figures like President Miloš Zeman of the Czech Republic made an immediate U-turn and, and very vocal one condemning Russian aggression and, and essentially saying that he was wrong. He had been wrong about, about Russia for a long time, admitting sort of past mistakes. Uh, and it looks like, you know, in Hungary, like this is, will be the sort of outlier case where, where as you say, uh, this might actually propel Orban to a fourth consecutive term. But my question, my final question for you is, is whether you can envisage Hungary being a part of the European Union, being a part of the of 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 of, of the of, of, of NATO in a situation in which it is openly siding with Russia. Right. So so yesterday on Wednesday, uh Foreign Minister CR to accused Ukraine of trying to <clears throat> infer, interfere in the Russian in, in the Hungarian election. I mean in this ex, again like an extraordinary act of gaslighting in my opinion. I mean, here we have, you know, Central European country, which really is much more than than ever before Russia's fifth column. I mean, is is this a sustainable arrangement? Like, is you know, as can can how how long can this last? You know, where you would have the EU sending EU funds to Hungary, you know, f- from which people like Orbán build their build their networks of 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 of, of patronage and rally there. The, the, the citizens against Brussels and against against the transatlantic alliance mm-hmm. well first of all when it comes to um, anybody interfering in the Hungarian elections this has been the rhetoric of Fidesz for quite a while that's a, that 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 foreign agents Shorosh uh, in the West and now it's uh, Zelensky who want to interfere however we have to mention that this is uh, Hungary which has uh, a bank that gave millions of euros to Marine Le Pen's campaign. This is the same bank, uh, probably through Russian money, which gave millions of euros to Janša's campaign in Slovenia. So who is 
intervening in whose election? That's my question. So basically, this is, well, Dolly Bor, I don't have to explain it to you. You know it better than me that this is the Bolshevik tactic. Accuse your enemy with what you're doing. And this is exactly what Vidas is doing. That's one thing. Um, the other thing, how I can imagine Hungary's future in the alliances. Look, I mean, looking at it objectively, um, it will all depend on how these alliances or whether these alliances will need us or not. Because lots of talks have been going on regarding the two-speed Europe. If we're in the second speed, we are lost. And so if there is a core European Union and, and uh, the, the leftover, let's put it this way, then, then we are lost. Um, I don't know about NATO. That's, a, that's another interesting thing. Uh, we've heard that in the past decade, uh, in, even in NATO, within NATO, a lot of things have not been shared with Hungary because of the fact, because of the suspicion that Hungarian, uh, Hungarian intelligence has been infiltrated by the Russians. Plus, you've probably heard about it just a couple of weeks, weeks uh, days ago, it came out that the Hungarian foreign ministry has been infiltrated uh, by the Russians. In a normal country, you resign after such a such 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 a fact in Hungary. Siarto is still there. Orban is still there and will be there for God knows how long. Gosh, on that cheerful note, Sultan, <laughs> I want to thank you for 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 updating us on on those most recent developments in Hungary. Um, you know, we are all cheering for a free and democratic Hungary after this election, um, and I do hope that there is a free and fair election, uh, but I'm far from being certain about that. Thank you again, Zoltan. And thank you, all of you listening. Uh, thank you for listening to the Eastern Front. And until next time, goodbye.